Welcome to the Better Business Podcast, a series for those business owner operators who want to create a better business. Here are your hosts, Chris and Mark. Hello listeners, it's Chris and Mark from the Better Business Podcast. I'd like to welcome today uh, a guest by the name of Ros Tasker, who runs a business called Inigo. A little bit about Ros's business is, sooner or later, when working with owner-operated businesses, we need to go to the soft side of some issues. Can't really do that effectively if you're not lined up good and straight yourself. So when we're working previously at our Ros used to do that with all of us to make sure we were really not carrying too much emotional baggage. Um, Ros can give you a better description of what she does uh, right now, Rosie. So can you describe your skills? My skill. Thank you, Mark and Chris, for having me on the call today. I'm very excited about this. Um, my skills are I'm a very good listener. So I've been um, coaching for over 20 years now. And the thing that I find is um, that people need a safe space to just let it all out so that they can hear what's going on in their head as a voice that's actual so that they can make some sense of it. Um, And any emotion that sits behind that, it's a good opportunity to clear that away and, you know, start to make decisions that, actually work rather than than uh reactive does that explain it enough one i will ask you one quick question there it uh-huh. well it's it's fairly obvious but you really do work on the softer side rather than hard business issues would it be fair very much so um i believe that in our bodies we have a think think Thinking, feeling, and knowing components. So it's a bit like the infinity sign. That's how I would describe it. And often when we worry, we seem to hedge on to thinking, which means the rest of our body is actually not involved in making decisions. So if I asked you a question um, about, you know, so what do you think about this issue? And then I might say, and how do you feel about that issue? And once we've talked through that a bit, then I can ask, so what do you actually know about this issue? So often we've had an experience where we've built up an internal knowledge, but we can't access it through thinking. We can only access it through feeling and knowing. Welcome, Roz. Thanks for joining us. Awesome to have you on. Thanks for accepting our invitation to come on. And one of the reasons that Uh, Mark and I were really keen to really go over and I know we call it the soft side and and it's you know soft versus hard hard being the hard commercial aspects of doing business soft being what you just described there about those underlying ways that we process things that you know the things that are kind of left unspoken for a lot of the time that doing get in the way of personal effectiveness Um, but one of the reasons why it's become very apparent to us that this needs to be a conversation now is there's just a a heap of scarce versus abundant behavior. You know, the three of us around this table will, will preach the concept of abundant thinking, abundant actions, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, So if we use a quick example of just say, even just the COVID crisis, this is something that everyone can relate to. It's driven a lot of people into, into a couple of different paradigms of thought. Some people go down the fear, side of things 
others go to to the okay how do we make the best out of a, a bad situation and and what can we do that that actually elevates us and when you we see that we see it straight away as this battle between you know scarcity and abundance but how are you seeing this play out so so what i've noticed is um there's a lot of fear people are people have gone into a lot of fear because suddenly all the um, plans that they had are no longer relevant so learning to adapt to COVID and the difference that it's made to every single person on the planet um, is a challenge uh, but I think what's happened emotionally is people have drawn together with their families and their pets uh, they're more um, family focused in terms of what's right for my family as opposed to what's right for my business. So the focus has changed somewhat. Mm. And business owners are having to look at different ways to accommodate this. So, you know, working at home has become um, a way of life for many people at the moment. And many people are not keen to go back to the old ways. And I'm I think that we're all working on that together in terms of how, what's the best way or best practice for the business and to accommodate all the human beings that are part of that business. Another reason why this, this is really pertinent at the moment is one of my clients gives his staff a book to read called The Go-Giver. And I saw it on his desk and I said, you know what, you speak about it all the time. I'm going to take it home and read it and I'll bring it back for our next session. So I, I, I smashed it out in one night. It's not a big book, by the way. It's, like, it's somewhere between Mr. Men and, you know, um, <laughs> you know who moved my cheese. But, you know, it, it takes a couple of hours to get through. Um, but in it is these rules and these laws that, that the author uh, speaks about. And, and it's wrapped up in a bit of a parable kind of, you know, modern day parable for business. And all it really talks about is this, you know, that when you sit behind the scenes, it really just only talks about this concept of, of thinking abundantly, you know, giving first, giving without the expectation of receiving, being open to receiving, um, understanding true value about not just a, a financial transaction, all, all these sort of things like this. So it, it has obviously a, a commercial application, but, you can't just be that. You can't just turn up the next day, read a book, and then, and then um, you know, you're that way. It's a life's mm. journey to be that way. And, and this is the thing that I think it's that we want to talk about a little bit with you is that, you know, the, the practice thereof. But, Egg, you had yeah. an example in relation I to that. I did. I did. I was thinking about these people I work with up the coast a little bit. And they always get a lot of work. They're getting it now not as much as they used to, obviously. They're engineers, surveyors, architects, etc. And I kind of retrofitted their behaviour to the go-giver book. And at least there's five directors in that business and at least three of them just give way more than they receive to their clients to the point where sometimes they have to be pulled back a bit, but nonetheless, they do it. And it makes them so valuable to their clients. They just love them pieces hmm. I think an aspect of that as well is allowing yourself to be vulnerable in that place so many of us um, find it very easy to give the hard part is actually allowing yourself to receive um, 
a way I I remember someone saying to me once because I I have always been a great giver and um, not a very good receiver. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then someone said to me, Ross, how do you feel when you when you give? You give so much, and I went, oh, fabulous. And she said, well, why don't you allow other people to have that same experience? <laughs> I, oh. Never thought of it like that. So, um, so I'm, I've challenged myself all the time about receiving, and it never ceases to amaze me how much I am offered or how much I'm given, actually. So, in terms of you know COVID and the effect that it's having on on human beings, it's it's really a great opportunity to change the way we've always thought, to give as much as we can, um, to allow ourselves to receive, but not to think about it from that perspective, to be able to just be in a space of, you know, I'm here and I'm offering what I can to help you and whatever mm. comes from that is fabulous. What a, what a wonderful um, insight there, isn't it? The, the, in a way, the reframe of denying someone the same feeling of giving if you're not open to receiving yeah yeah that is a that is a lovely refrain mm. and and on that rosie i find it quite interesting when you give someone a comp someone a compliment how often they're quite shocked that you gave them a compliment and they don't actually they don't take it on they don't receive it they don't even they don't. hear it <laughs> there's a young mother that lives near me who's got one of her kids is just screams and yells a hell of a lot, I think doesn't want to go to daycare or play school or whatever it is. And she just stays so calm and talks the kid down and, you know, within minutes the kid's back to normal. And I, I said to her the other day, I bumped into her and I said, you are a really good mother. Mm. And she looked at me with this shock looked on her face. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just a note, note to self, Eggie, put pants on the next time you give that compliment. Yeah, they were, <laughs> they were on, mate. <laughs> didn't want to horrify her completely. <laughs> Context around that with her and said, you know, if that was me with that kid, I'd be really struggling not to lose it. And but just on that, let, you know, let, let's explore it a little bit, given that we've got Roz here. What, what, what is that piece that often shuts down that, that receptivity? Because people look for the thing they've done wrong. So she heard you say, oh, you're a great mother, but her mind immediately went to, oh, but I didn't do this or, oh, you should have seen me yesterday when I did that or, you know, things like that. And the other thing we do is if someone compliments us is we explain why we shouldn't be receiving that actually. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something that we've learnt and that we need to unlearn because that's that's the acceptance of self because... I really believe that, you know, we're all doing the best we can at, at any given moment. But our internal judge that sits up there in our head telling us that we're not doing it very well and we could do it much better often has the loudest voice. <laughs> and the other thing is with vulnerability, I find I have to explain that it's a strength, not a weakness. Um, people often see vulnerability as a weakness. And so yes. have to defend themselves against that. But that's actually not true, in my opinion. 
It's a, it's a very it's a very good point. I, I remember doing a workshop with with quite a big management team of of quite a decent sized um, company, and there was this whole um, issue of vulnerability came up. You know, a lack of trust, people not saying what they uh. want to say, or all, all this sort of stuff that was coming up around the table. And so we workshop this idea of you know that this you know getting people to share these moments in life where they were scared and what yeah. they did to overcome the fear and the funny thing was that every time that someone said that i was this was a situation and it didn't matter how big or small and and in as as it kept going around we got some really profound um anecdotes out and some stories out it was it, was, it went somewhere way deeper than i was expecting but it was it was a bit of fun regardless and it, the thing that was common uh, amongst all the stories was when someone worked through the fear and they worked through their vulnerability and they said, Oh, that's the time I was vulnerable. That's when I was scared. And this is what I did to work through it. And when I came out the other side, blah, 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 blah. And then when we recapped the, the broader context of all of that, they all got to see that the vulnerability became the strength. You, you, they couldn't have worked through that moment unless they actually had this strength. Yeah, and it was about reframing the vulnerability in their mind to say that vulnerability is then not the weakness. The weakness mm. is doing nothing. The mm. weakness is accepting fear. Yeah, the strength is is matching it. You've just reminded me of um, a workshop I did with some aged care um, nursing staff, and um, they all like, there were about eight in it, and we had this big round table, and they all walked in. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Good, good. But no one connected. Like, and I, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, God, this is going to be great fun. What are we going to do here? But how, what I did um, was I actually asked, started at one girl and said, okay, I want you to tell all of us something that you haven't told anyone before. And so they all were a bit horrified at that. But once we went around once, I said, okay, now we're going to do that again. By the time we'd finished that, they had told the most amazing stories. Um, some of them really sad and neither of them or none of them actually knew anything about that person to that depth. Mm. Um, and so for them to actually have the courage to tell the story and where they were today. And, you know, it was just extraordinary. I, I was, I was really humbled by it. Um, the fact that they could let themselves be vulnerable and have that conversation. And in turn that gave them a connection to, you know, the group, which meant they then created their own support group between them because they'd all heard the story. And and that's that's a great example as well that uh, Eggy and I before you jumped on the call and and we have to um, confess, don't we, Egg? What was the terminology you used of how a lot of leaders and businesses view this conversation? I think the terminology I used was they would think it was just a bit of a wank. Well, <laughs> well, you, well, it wasn't that at all. You said it was hocus pocus. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm editorialising now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're paraphrasing yourself. Um, yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah, ask that question, Chris, because while you two were talking, just then I was thinking about asking you, Rosie, when you do this with owner-operated businesses or businesses, mm -hmm. how much pushback do you get initially? Because they think, oh, it's, it's, 
it's not hard commercial. It's this, this could be hocus pocus. And I know that you shift them to another place, but in the initial starting bit, how do you work with that? And how much, how often do you experience that they go, oh, this is not for us, you know, or whatever you hear? Uh, well, I always just sit with it um, because I know they're scared, right? They're scared that um, they're going to be hurt or someone's going to knock them around or whatever it is. And, and they get caught up in their role rather than who they are. So, oh, yeah, yeah? Sorry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Love it. So they think that they're the CEO or they think they're the financial controller. They think they're in charge, but actually they're a human being just like the person sitting across from them. So to give them um, a space where they can explore that and look at, you know, how they represent themselves in a real way instead of as a role, you know, the best best leaders are the ones that, you know, can listen and allow people to fail if they need to. And, um, you know, sometimes those people just expand into such, you know, things you couldn't even, couldn't dream of, let alone the person that's expanding. But, but a leader is somebody that supports another person or persons to be the best version of themselves that they can be and not their role. When you're thinking of being critical of someone, it's always a good idea to say, do you think they're doing the best they can do right now or the worst they can do right now? And mm. it's most often the best they can yeah. do. Yeah. Because yeah. really everyone has a life outside of their business, right? Outside of their job. And none of us knows what's going on. And I guess if I go back to that workshop, um, you know, some of those people were putting up with some awful things and they still showed up for work and did a really good job. And because they were in aged care looking after people, they're obviously fairly emotional human beings in terms of, you know, they just want to look after people. That was my experience anyhow. Um, so being able to show up and do what they need to do despite what's going on in their lives is you know, sometimes your best is better better than others, I guess. Yeah. When, thank you for that. Just before we started doing this, Kaz um, and I were having a chat about what we thought the ultimate context of this uh, go-giver was. Yeah. Pez is quite good, as you know, at elevating things to their highest contextual level. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it was, Roz? Go-giving concept. What do you think its highest context was? Oh, love. Oh, yep, there you go. <laughs> it's beautiful because Pez went there straight away in that it was fear versus love. That's probably where we wanted this conversation to go to because we three can t- sit around this podcast and, and talk about fear versus love. Mm. And we understand what it means from, um, uh, you know, living your life by that yeah. sort of um, dichotomy, but also decisions you make, how it plays out in business. If any of us were going to go into business to talk about fear versus love, it's it's a few layers of context removed from the typical conversation that happens around a yeah. boardroom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now we've all seen this play out at various times, and one of the things that Eggy and I were, were doing really quickly, we said, how many ways 
do we currently work with and what frameworks do we use that are specifically talking about fear versus love, but we don't call it fear versus love. And that's why we well, wanted to get yeah. you on the podcast and say, hey, you know, <laughs> why don't we talk about fear versus love? Because we can talk about all the other stuff. Yeah. 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 We, 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 and just to reel them off, okay? So we talk scarcity versus abundance. We talk um, a feeling, you know, you spoke before, culture versus commercial, playing to yeah. win versus playing not to lose, judgment versus acknowledgement, and yeah. so on and so on and so on. And that makes yeah. it real for businesses. Yeah. So let's talk about fear versus love. Okay. So, so the way I explain it is the emotional um, space between fear and love. I think that there's an emotion that um, explains fear, which is in my body, I'm not happy, I feel sad, I feel depressed, I feel angry, I feel all those things. Whereas if I moved over by an emotional connection into a love space, it's where I have a choice. So Mm. it's um, in a fear space, I feel like I can't choose or I'm stuck. Um, so my body is out of alignment in a choice space. I'm calm. I'm in this moment. I'm able to make the next choice and there's no right or wrong in any of it. It's simply about where do I want to be in any given situation. So one of the ways, um, I would describe it is that in a fear space, we're never in the present moment in a fear space. We've created some story about what could happen based on a previous experience. So if you go back to an experience where, uh, the one I use actually, I call it my ambulance story. So when my two sons grew up and got licenses and I no longer had any control over what they were doing and they were out driving or, you know, going off with their mates or something and I would hear a siren. And in my head I would go, oh, my God, they're dead. Something's happened. I know something's happened. The next thing that will happen will be a knock on the door and it'll be a policeman saying something's happened to my boys. Now, that was my worst fear in life. (laughs) Mm. And so I've made it into a story that felt true, but it's not true. And so when I come back and go, well, you've just made that up to scare yourself, Roz, that'll work. So when I come back to this moment and go, actually, the boys are out doing their own thing. Everything's okay. Why am I scaring myself with that story? And so then if I go back into the past, I had lost a sister in a car accident. So that's going to put my view a bit awry of what's actually going on. So I can see that and I can come back to the moment where I get to choose. Does that make sense? Totally. It does make sense. So you're coming back to the real moment, you had choice, yeah? Yes, yes. In fear, I have no choice. I'm just caught in the feeling of dread, horrible. You're galvanised sort of on the spot, aren't you? Yeah. So at some point, you realise you're making it up and that, I mean, it sounds so simplified, doesn't it? But at Mm. some point, point, you realise that it's not true and that if you look at what's actually going on, there's nothing to be afraid of that you're able to respond in the moment, but you're in full reaction when you're in the story. Mm. I imagine it's not just a quick fix saying, you know, teach them a little bit about choice and, and speak to them about your ambulance story and, oh, and God, then away no. we go. No, <laughs> like yeah, so, no. 
Well, it's what, taken me years to yeah, work out. Yeah, yeah, and all, all of us, all of us. Um, yeah, but I think what, at any what, time if yeah. I'm feeling uncomfortable in my body, then I have to go, hang on, what's going on? And I mm. need to come back to present time, to this moment in time and check and what, see what's going on. And I will always notice that I'm okay. I take a few breaths and then I can look at what's actually going on rather than what I fear is going on but it takes practice you yes, know i've been med meditating for years um it's being reframed as relaxation and all sorts of things but meditation helps keep my brain current keeps me in today i don't sort of get into that some people do it with exercise um you know some people do it with swimming because there's a uh, the routine of movement is kind of it's just repetitive. Um, it doesn't matter what you do. Some people sit and look at a tree, but it's kind of like appreciation of, of what is actually around you, looking for things that you really can appreciate. Um, so some of the things, some of the fears at the moment around losing your job, um, oh, my God, I won't be able to feed the family, you know, we'll lose the house, we'll lose the car, we'll lose everything, instead of, well, actually, at the moment, we've got food. We've got a roof over our heads. And be appreciative of that because if that changes, you can respond to that. But if you keep reacting to everything that's going on, there's no way out, you know. So if you think yeah. about it, go yeah. give. If you think of it in that perspective, it's from that point, then you can say, I need help. And all you've got to do is ask. But... Some people are so afraid of being told no or not even considering that they can ask for help that they don't allow someone to come in and say, listen, we can do this, we can help you do this. Um, and so it then changes the whole dynamic. I mean, and that's love in expression, I think. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You just, you just reminded me of something that happened last week because obviously with the um, homeschooling and, and um parent-teacher interviews haven't happened mm. this year face-to-face -face in Victoria. Yeah. I, I don't know about other states. No, and we're so, the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so it's been really interesting. We're, we're, we're introducing ourselves to um, our eldest son who's in year seven in his, um, with his teachers. In, you know, for the first time we're seeing some of them, but via Zoom. Mm. Yeah. And it was really interesting. Next to, next to where his desk is set up, we have a little whiteboard next to it. And we had four meetings with four teachers and we thought we'd, we'd write down what's the one big takeaway from our, our, you know, eight minute chat with every teacher. It's almost like speed dating on, on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. And it was really funny because it, it was that, that same line nearly for all, all four of, of his ones, which was, which was that whole thing around, um, you know, make the choice to start, make the choice, be in the moment, yeah. make the choice. And, and, you know, then we chunked them all up and you know what it all came up to? Ask to help. Yeah. It's okay to receive help. Ask for help yeah. because more than ever, the resources around us are dying mm. to help us. Yeah. Yeah. And all and you've the got to do the government's is ask. handing it. Yeah, you just have to ask. Yeah. The government's handing it out to some people. The teachers are, uh, are just being unbelievably available for the kids. You've got yeah. health services for, for people. You've got, uh, you know, mental well-being services. You've got all this stuff that's going on at the minute. And you yeah. just have to, and, and I think it probably gets back a little bit to that vulnerability before is that, you know, stoicism doesn't, 
you know, it's good and bad in, in a way, you know, mm. like it's good, good to get through some stuff and, and, and build a bit of that into intestinal fortitude. Mm. But, but at some point you still, it's okay to ask for help. I think another aspect of that too is like we had a lot of storms here um, at the beginning of the year and big, massive trees were just falling over everywhere. And so one of the things or a picture that I like to paint is it's not the trees that stand straight and strong that survive the storm. It's actually the trees that move. The ones um, that bend a bit, Rosie. Bend and move and, mm. yeah. So I think we've all got to learn to bend and move. We would use this fear versus love quite a bit with our clients. Yeah. But we'd never use it early on. Probably I wouldn't use it early on if I didn't know a client quite well because I get a little bit edgy about it when you start pulling out fear and love. There is a... Look, I don't think I do that either, Eggy. Mm. I think... Um, it's like it's how I live my life, but that doesn't mean it's right for everybody, right? What I was going to say, though, that it does have commercial ramifications, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's choice. I just use the word choice. Yeah. You've got a choice or you haven't got a choice. And so how are you going to move into a place where you do have a choice? And cause and effect. So if you're at cause, you've got a choice. If you're at effect, you're waiting for somebody else or something to happen before you make a choice and nothing gets achieved by that at all. You just stay in the same place and it doesn't matter how many choices it takes for you to get to where you want to be. Just keep choosing until you get there. Mm. It's, it's such a, it, you know, the funny thing about all this stuff and it's, it's so simple, but when you know the, 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 the lived experience behind it and, and everyone's got their own stories and examples that they can apply it to mm. you look back and you go, it's, it's so complex in the way that we, we trick ourselves into, into being at effect of, of some of this stuff. You know, mm. it's never as easy as just making a choice, is it? Oh God, no, if only, yeah. if only, but it's the, you know, it's, it's the experience that gives you the value, right? Mm. It's like if you climbed a mountain, but you didn't take notice of, you know the scenery on the way up you wouldn't get the full value yes. and then you would only get the value if you had that mindset you would only get the value if you succeeded in climbing to the top whereas if you got value out of the whole thing it wouldn't matter whether you got to the top or not i always it's a great point because i always use the example of of people that go to the louvre just to see the mona lisa yeah and and <laughs> And, and then I always say, but you know, the Mona Lisa is the shittest piece of art in the Louvre. The Mona Lisa, Pez, is completely <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah. And, and I say, if you went there just to say you did it and you've ticked the box, you've kind of missed the whole, the whole thing, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, but tick, if it's a tick box, tick box experience for someone, that is not going deep, is it? No. No, they're, not, they're just doing it for the sake of doing yeah. it. Good marketing, though. Very good marketing. Good marketing, absolutely. You've got to watch those marketers, Ros. <laughs> oh, yes. You should know, Eggy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was just keen to um, really reiterate that this fear versus love thing, we know, Chris and I know, and you know, that mm. it does have commercial ramifications. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point, Eggy. For, thanks for straightening us up. <laughs> because the... Um, it was what I wanted to raise before when you were giving the example that you gave earlier on, Roz, um, 
about the those ladies that made that connection that told the story that they mm. hadn't told before yeah and what i was trying to where, where i want to circle back to but we we sort of got a little bit off track was once you did that and then they made the connection it's kind of it's it's the faith in that exercise there that then allows for kind of the magic to then happen in their relationship yes. but you can't yeah. prescribe it and that's where no. i think because that, that's why i was talking before to say that if we're sitting around a boardroom table and they view this as hocus pocus, they're kind of shutting off what can happen if mm. you kind of get where, what I'm saying. Like the, you yeah, can't the magic from in. the experience. Yeah. You've yeah. got to put yourself out there. Yeah. You have to and put yourself scary. out there. But that's the vulnerability piece, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And mm. it's, it's very rare that, that you start working with a new client, um, in, you know, in the way that any of us would operate, you know, just anyone, really, anyone mm. starting with a new client, at some point, that client has made a choice to use your service, whether you're an accountant or financial planner, whatever it is, yeah, builder, yeah. you name yeah. it. There's, yeah. there's always going to be some level of fear that sits in behind there. Yeah. Um, so in capital letters, about, trust. <laughs> well, that's it, you know, and, and that mm. whole trust piece as well. And that's, mm. that's why I always love, you know, we, we started this conversation on the go-giver, but I, I still think in my simple mind kind of works in a, in a way that I love. Um, remember the, uh, the Dr. Seuss book we did that conference around? Yeah. I, I still read that think that's, to my grandchildren. Well, see, I read it to my kids and regularly yeah. and they, get, they get sick of every time I pull it out, but I, I actually <laughs> still think it's the best business book ever written. Absolutely. It's just so relevant, isn't it? And everyone, and I, I like trying to, I, I used it with a client recently and, and he, I asked him, I said, oh, do you, are you a reader much? And he said, oh, look, I read this and that and a few things here. And then I said, can you just read one book for me? And it'll take you about 25 minutes. And I think it's the best business book ever written. He goes, okay, what is it? And I said, okay, gave him a copy. <laughs> and his wife was admonishing him as he read it at night. What the hell are you reading that for? What sort of coach is this guy? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And so he, he actually then was reading it under this sort of uh, sense of judgment. He was feeling judged already. And he hadn't even read it. And right. And oh, so he God. reads, it. He reads yeah. it and he says to his wife, he says, you have to read this book. This is, this is the best book I've ever read. And it's really interesting. Just when you think about why, why do I get attracted to it? And why does anyone who ever reads it get attracted to it? It's actually because it's this whole fear versus love conversation wrapped up in mm. a Dr. Seuss book. Yep. Yep. You know what the other reason it's so appealing is, you just hit on, is it's so simple. Yeah. Get anything that complex down to something that simple requires a major degree of intellectual fortitude. Mm. And it is simple. Mm. And it's, if it's it, not it, simple, it's rubbish, I reckon, in mm -hmm. life. Michael because. Biden. Expression. Sorry to interrupt you, Rosie. Michael Arhi, someone we work with who's on one of our podcasts, favourite expression is simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And it yes, is. that's it. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. That's why Italians don't have pineapple on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> too, too many ingredients. <laughs> once, you get past, once you get past the sauce and the cheese... And maybe, you know, some nice ham on there. That, you've already had too many ingredients. You don't need to go putting pineapple on there. <laughs> oh, pizza, dear, oh, dear. Is, is a Tell that to the children. <laughs> pizza is an exercise in restraint. <laughs> it is, yes, indeed. 
so let's 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 just then um, look, look at this, and and I think you've explained it really well that the because it is it could, actually what what I got is something we never really do when we've got a guest on. Could you recommend any particular reading or something or something that any listener could listen to that might just demystify and debunk a little bit of the whole fear versus love um, way of thinking? Well, there's Brene Brown has got some really um, useful um, podcasts and things, but I saw, I saw on Netflix of all places, Brene Brown did a presentation on vulnerability and yes, it was fabulous. That's a cracking podcast or a cracking uh, YouTube. Oh, it's, it's YouTube fantastic. It just gives you the kick you need, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And she is such a great presenter. And she's fabulous yeah, and funny. Awesome. So that's Brene Brown. It's B-R-E-N-E, isn't it? Yes. Um, She's got a great sense of humour. She doesn't take herself too seriously. Mm. Um, She's deeply vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also um, Oprah Winfrey actually has lots of um, podcasts and they're called Soul Conversations. And they're just short conversations with various people. Yep. Um, anyone, anyone who's anyone has been on the Soul Conversations and they're fabulous. I always get something out of listening to them. Okay. So mm. there's a couple of little tips there that we'll look those mm. One more yeah. thing, please. What is the book you were reading? The, the Which book? one? No, the Dr. Seuss book. Oh, oh, oh. um. Oh, the places you will go. Oh, the places you will go. That's the one. Um, So let's just uh, bring this back a little bit. Uh, We talk about where do you, Egg and I had a bit of a a conversation earlier and we sort of said, what do you reckon is the linking layer of context that sits just below fear versus fear and love that, that actually gets the attention of business leaders? So if we bring this back into a business application, yeah. Um, what's the terminology they get that you, in your experience? Where, where, where do you pitch it? Is it choice, no choice? Is it um, yes. yeah, scarcity it is. versus abundance? No, I, I rarely talk about scarcity versus abundance, and I know this is about abundance. No. But abundance is um, a state of mind, I think. It's um, an, an open place, which very much relates to all that we've spoken about today. But I would say choice and no choice would be the things that I use most often. Yeah, okay. And do you have a, a little mantra that you would teach people? Is it, is it if they're feeling like they're stuck or they're, you know, in that space of being paralysed and, and um, in fear, do, do you kind of take them through a little thing to say, you know, if you're in that place, do this? So or, often I will get... Um, so I kind of start the process already when I'm talking to them, but often I will get them to go away and write down whatever comes out of that. Um, journaling is a really useful thing to do for some people, but a waste of time for others. If you like that sort of thing, it's great. But I would always say, stop, <laughs> take a breath, take three breaths and just let yourself be in this moment. Now, what's going on? And there's nothing going on after that, which is why I love meditation, right? Yeah, and there's so mind. many. There's so many great meditation apps around now. Um, the one that one I, particular? one that, yeah, I use Insight Timer. That's the one I always recommend. 
insight timer. Uh, timer, yeah. Yep. And they've got podcasts and music and guided meditations and beginners. They've got things for parents. It's, it's just fabulous. And sleep. If you can't sleep, a lot of people can't sleep, it seems. Mm -hmm. Worrying. You know, <laughs> isn't one of the questions you are, always ask is what's waking you up in the middle of the night? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so if that's happening, you know, write it down. Get it out of your head so you can go back to sleep. Um, but breathe always because breathe. the other thing the, the other thing is if you're not breathing then you're maintenance breathing so your body's not working at full capacity because you're depriving it of oxygen you're just shallow breathing so the more that you can just stop take a breath let it all go breathe it out and do that a few times and you will always feel calmer mm. Maintenance breathing, there's a nice concept, isn't it? Yeah. It's a really good, it's a really good um, and do you breathe properly through your nose, Rosie, just to get really technical about this? Yeah, it's whatever you're comfortable with. There's no right way. Yeah, but I read something recently where breathing through your nose is much more beneficial to you. you yeah, but if your nose is blocked and you can't, yeah, think, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> then it's, it's not beneficial at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever's comfortable for you. It's look, I remember going and seeing the Dalai Lama speak um, oh, a few years ago now, and um, someone in the audience asked him a question. He said, "I just can't sit up and meditate." And and the Dalai Lama said, "Well, lay down." <laughs> You know, so it's not about sitting there and, you know, holding your hands a particular way or breathing a particular way. It's whatever gives you peace, whatever gives you ease in your body. Yeah. And the Dalai Lama can't be wrong. I guess he can't in this case. No? no. With, with, with wisdom like that, how could you be wrong? Exactly. Hey, I can't sit up. Well, the lie epitome down. of love. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he doesn't say there's a way to do stuff, but, you know, he's a... He's the epitome of love, I think. Well, I, I didn't know if he was if he was giving out good meditation advice, or he was one of those sort of one liner stand up comedians from the seventies. You know, well, sometimes he's that too. Yeah, <laughs> so it sounded like he had that dry wit about him that could have had him rolling <laughs> in the aisles as well. Yeah. <laughs> the cracker thing for me that you just said, Rosie, was at the choice point. And you're always at a choice point. That's the point. Yeah, but, you know, as we know, people don't think they are. No. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it's learning to, learning to understand that. Mm. Um, then, you, then you won't necessarily get stuck. Well, it's been an awesome chat, Rods. And it's, oh, it's thank been a, you, guys. It's been lovely to catch up. Wonderful pleasure having you on the show. When I say the show, the podcast, it's not really a show, is it, Iggy? It could be a show. <laughs> it was um, today. It was yeah, a nice it, conversation. Well, that, that we try and keep it conversational, which is great. Um, one thing that we do have to mention, Eggy, before we do sign off is check us out on our, on our socials, specifically the, the Better Business Pod Podcast on Facebook. We've got our own Facebook page. It's, it's, the likes are rolling in, which is great. Um, we had to laugh during the week. We passed our thousandth download, Eggy. How's that? Woohoo! Good. That's yeah. great. So as as the post said, it's not huge in podcasting terms, but to us, we like getting badges. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, check us out on Facebook. Make a comment. Um, 
Rosie, you'll give this episode a like, I'm, I'm no doubt. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> thanks for joining us, though, because really there's some real nuggets in there. Again, with those um, recommendations, Brene Brown, she's got a great uh, TED Talk. Check out some of her reading. Oprah Winfrey's short vignette uh, podcasts that are called? Yep. yep. Uh, soul Conversations. Soul Conversations. Or Soul Stories. I can't remember which. But I'm sure um, if, you, if you Google it's on Oprah Spotify. Winfrey. Yep. Well, it's on Spotify. You can see it there. Cool. Yeah. Check that one out. Check out other places you'll go. Check out The Go-Giver and check out anything that the Dalai Lama says because it sounds like not only... <laughs> Not only is it good advice, it's uh, some cracking one-line commentary and comedy too. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Rosie. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Eggy, mate. So uh, thank you, guys, and we'll check you next time. Okay. Bye now. Bye.